Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and roast its rubbish ad- adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. And here with me is Julia. Hey, everyone. And we both write for thefandamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. That's what it is. It's just the two of us. It's a little lonely. We've been having guests and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I miss Caroline's puppies barking in the background. Yeah. Now, um, the baby that I live with is sleeping, and that's why I'm talking very close to the microphone and sounding nice and relaxing, I hope. Uh, so I don't think you'll be hearing her crying in the background. Hopefully she just went down. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the situation that's going on. I also want to say, like, on my blog, I've been posting some pictures of her and I tag her babe with the power. Please, please don't speculate, like, on her life or my sister's life or her father. Like, please don't come into my inbox with that. That's really inappropriate and rude. Yeah. Yeah, very rude. Yeah, like, I'm not going to answer this stuff. It's not your business. I just think my niece is adorable, so I'm going to show you how adorable she is. Because she's the perfect baby, and I'm worried that my own babies won't be as cute, so. Oh. It's like a legit... Is this a genuine concern you have? Yeah, 100% is. Um, Anyway, hey, who are we? (laughs) What are the (laughs) fundamentals? Well, the fundamentals is uh, a website where we do, you know, geeky news reviews, analysis, a lot of analysis. Uh, so you should check us out. We also have numerous podcasts, including this one, where we, mm-hmm. as introduced, uh, talk a lot about A Song of Ice and Fire, which we love. And we and things that are extremely tangentially related to it. And things extremely tangential, <laughs> yes. And we kind of bash Game of Thrones, which is an adaptation that uh, is not very successful in our opinion. Uh, now, I did want to say... Depending on what you mean by success, I suppose. <laughs> our, la- depressing. our last episode in this feed were the Carol Awards for Season 7, yeah! celebrating all the finest in dramatic satisfaction and plausible implausibilities <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so definitely check that out. We have a whole award show post. We were really, really proud of the work we did into it. And, uh, Carolyn yeah. was a really, really fun co-host, um, yeah. for, as an MC. And then the episode before that was our G George R. R. Martin, is he literal garbage episode? And we got a lot of, uh, negative feedback to that. I actually posted a follow-up video about it. Mm-hmm. If you look up unabashed book snobs on YouTube and, uh, I talked about it on GOT gifts and musings as well. And I just wanted to let you guys know that we are going to be hopefully recording a follow-up to that where we're going to be interviewing um readers of color and you know kind of getting deeper into the issues where people felt we were dismissive 
um, mm-hmm. and really just kind of dig into that uh, a bit more. Um, I'm, I'm trying to schedule an in-person interview actually with, uh, Tumblr user Widabith, if anyone has followed her, cause she's awesome. And <laughs> unfortunately my life is not awesome and full of many different factors and cats and business trips. So I'm hoping that will happen in the near future. Stay tuned, but we do want to have a follow up in this feed just to let you guys know about that. Uh, now part of the cats and babies and business trips is that Julia and I didn't have time to plan an episode. <laughs> no, we're not supposed to admit that. We're supposed to be like, we love inbox hours because they're so great and it gives the viewers what they want. Honestly, I do love inbox hours. Like, <laughs> yeah. These are my favorite. And not just because it means we don't have to plan. <laughs> it's more like, had we had time to plan, maybe we would have done like, I don't know, Tyrion or something like that. Cause yeah. I know we've done the other Lannisters. Um, and he's interesting to get into, but like legitimately. But we didn't feel like getting into a pile of shit with our readers again. Is <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think the one thing that could get us into more trouble <laughs> than talking about race is talking about Tyrion. Probably. But no, yeah. le- legitimate. It's more like, you know, a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. uh, we did an inbox hour, so we don't want to seem lazy. But at the same time, like, you guys always have really interesting questions. And we can talk about parts of A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones forever. So we're going to do another inbox hour. Um, and then following this, uh, Julia and I are also probably going to begin to plan our watch throughs of season seven and our retrospectives. Yeah. So you can probably expect content back around yeah. season seven in the feed we've too. already more or less decided there's going to be four pieces this time yeah well, and we're starting there might be parts ones and twos and threes but we're starting with winter hell you know the yeah. amazing off-screen coup between <laughs> aria sansa and bram <laughs> oh my god it's gonna be such a mess guys i'm off-screen power grab i'm so excited i actually to get excited for it on my flight to wit my flights to wichita i reread uh-huh. winter i reread battle of the bastards or ball- ballad of the bastards as we called it yeah. um brandon the amazing Sansa interrupted Sansa interrupted yeah brandon the, in the amazing exposition trees and aria todd drops out of school <laughs> and yeah i'm hype i'm hyped to re- get back into that anyway we have no um organization for these asks however i did get an anonymous that asked us please draw three character names out of the hat and play bed wed behead and i thought it would be kind of fun if we just did this a few times throughout this episode so we have a random number generator and a list of people's choice of the top hundred a song of ice and fire characters so you ready joya okay i'm going first huh no uh well i think we can talk about it but our first options we've got Oh, we don't each get three? You and I will answer the same ones, but we'll do okay. this a few different times. So we've right. got... We should have established the parameters okay, ran- before we did All right. <laughs> Random number generator. So we've got Arya. Uh, who is 87? <laughs> um, Yorin. And... <laughs> who? Uh, Hugo Wool. <laughs> who the fuck is Hugo Wool? <laughs> <laughs> is he one of Ned's buddies from the Tower of Joy? He is the no, chief. No, seriously, who is he? No, he's a clan chief of House Wool in the north. He has the biggest belly in the northern mountains. Okay, so my choices are a child, <laughs> a gross guy who never bathes, and a fat dictator of a tiny hill. Okay. Um can I like marry Arya but not touch her ever? Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say that. Let, let's let, let's have one of those like Mormon pre-marriage placements. 
Who do you want to sleep with, Yorin, or <laughs> what were you? I mean, if those are my choices, I'll go for the fat guy. <laughs> yeah, Yorin really- Because Yorin sounds, like, really gross and smelly. He literally doesn't bathe. He really- Yeah. And, like, sour leaf is the most disgusting habit ever. I'm sorry. Yeah, I honestly think I'd pick you a wall. Yeah, he- okay, so we're in agreement, huh? Yeah, and he's probably a decent <laughs> guy, too. He's the one who um gave that speech that was like, I want to live forever in a land where summer lasts a thousand years. I want a castle in the clouds where I can look down over most of the world. Like, he's very lyrical. He would, yeah. He could, like, read me some of his poetry in bed, and that would be fun afterwards and then i'd return home to my child bride who i wouldn't touch and wouldn't interact with because i wouldn't want to like be weird exactly <laughs> this is I'm, I'm glad we agree <laughs> what a good game <laughs> <laughs> all right the first ask and this is actually tangentially related to the uh is george r. r martin garbage is do you ever get frustrated with george r. r martin for his writing speed especially considering how bad the show got and how willing he is to take on more projects with hbo and his already unreasonably busy writing schedule if not how maybe i'm entitled but at this point i think i resent the guy more than D. um i don't think frustration is the right emotion for how i feel i think it's more like anxiety mm-hmm. you know like I'm getting more and more attached to these characters. I'm like, I, I kind of am torn where logically yeah. I know I should be frustrated. But for some reason, I'm just like, well, it's hard for me to write sometimes. And Yeah, I, no, seriously. And I don't know why. Like, we're not professional writers. <laughs> like, I don't know why we're like, oh, it's fine. It's only his job. Like, don't worry about it. But I mean, I think it's just because with any sort of content creation, it requires needing that spark and needing to be in the right place for it. So I'm just kind of mm-hmm. like, let him do his George R. R. I can only imagine the performance anxiety at this point. Like, just yeah, he's got to produce something brilliant. Yeah, I feel- and even if he does, not everyone will agree it's brilliant, <laughs> and he knows that. <laughs> Yeah. Is there part of you that like doesn't want the next book to be out because you don't want to be wrong about everything? Yeah, there's definitely part of me there. Yeah. Cuz I'm wondering if that's what's helping for me too cuz like I actually yeah. I'm very fine with it being unfinished. Maybe that's like really hard no, to say. No, I'm not but... fine with it being unfinished. I mean, I think if like, you know, Oh no, it I don't to mean to be like... unfinished, I would eventually accept that, but I, I want it to be finished. <laughs> oh no, 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 I don't mean I'm okay with it if like it's never finished. I mean, yeah. in this current state, I'm not, I'm a, I'm impatient in a way, but I'm really not, like, I can live in this tension, I guess. Well, because, like, I know that if it's unfinished, like, people will finish it, and it, that will suck, because it always does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, I don't even know and, who like, they get from. People sorts of weird shit. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, <sighs> I, get, I get why people are resentful. Mm-hmm. And just like the thing about like how off show the how bad the show got and resenting D and D, just like at this point, like I've been able to separate them completely. Like my frustration with D and D has nothing to do with my anxiety with George R. R. Martin. <laughs> like nothing. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, it's very I, I've entered the void. I think. Yeah. Um, and my frustration with D&D is more with their own hubris, with the mm-hmm. TV industry, with, like, their other projects that they're suggesting. Although I hear Confederacy <sighs> got tabled, so. Of course it does. It's stupid. Terrible. But yeah. All right. Next one. <clears throat> and I know this is one that you have thought about a little bit. Do you okay. think that each region 
has one of the seven holidays that is a bit bigger deal to them than others. Like maybe the veil goes crazy for Father's Day because they see themselves as the bringers of faith of the seven. Maybe the mother is a big deal in Dorn as a way of helping finesse the way the Royanar worship the seven. Maybe the Smith in the Western lands for the mines. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. I, I, I am suddenly intrigued by, well, cause like, yeah, I'm suddenly intrigued by this whole, like, mother and the connection to the Roin there. I like that a lot, actually. I might do something with it eventually. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you ever write your next chapter. Okay, I seek to emulate George R. R. Martin, so fuck you. Um, oh my god, that's the best, uh, <laughs> that's the best line. Like, someone should just ask you to do anything and that's your response to it. <laughs> like, Julia, why didn't you, you know, pick up so and so? Well, I seek to emulate George R. R. Martin, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and and like is there like seven holidays one for each god i mean is there a stranger day i didn't know that is it like yeah a, i don't is there like i mean a there, there is day like parade? a feast of like there's there's maiden's day right i think that's the mm-hmm. only one that's like canonical canonical and let's be honest we know the reach would be all about maiden's day well yeah that maiden's day is when all the all the virgins process and talk about how wonderfully virginal they are yeah and the reach so. is all into that yeah like more than any because they're the land of chivalry oh. and mothers widows and whores stay away um we've talked before about how like the seven being worshipped in dorn is probably very like it's like probably a little bit different and a little bit weird yeah I mean, I think, like, yeah, we've we have we've definitely talked about this before, so let's not get too much into our weird headcanons. But that, like, like you know, I, th- I think the Targaryen conquest brought a homogenization to the faith that just didn't affect Dorn. Yeah. And that's a lot to do with that. Yeah, that's maybe because they didn't kneel. But there, yeah, but there's probably quite a bit of regional diversity still. That's kind of, like, especially, like, well, because you have this, like, aristocratic class, that that is like there there there's still like because like fucking restos is huge right but there there is a kind of like there is a kind of cohesion to that culture but mm. like when you talk about like you know small folk in the reach and small folk in the veil like how much can they really have in common <laughs> like really even if they're practicing the same religion like think about like the way that christianity is practiced in ireland versus the way it's practiced in like southern italy yeah that's part of the same like church officially even right like they they have the same church hierarchy, but like their traditions, the way they celebrate holidays is very different. And that's even without thinking about like, you know, different, different churches that are technically the same religion, but not like, you know, they don't go to the same parties. Right. Mm-hmm. And like Dorn would probably be in this analogy would probably be like, you know, like, like the Orthodox churches or something like that, or at least like the, the, like, you know, the Eastern churches in communion with the Latin church, if you guys know what I mean. Yeah. So <laughs> like I, I i think that like talking about religion in westeros is always going to be like I, I i think that if you can imagine it they probably do it somewhere right i agree all right are you ready for the next wed bed behead already uh-huh it's been two asks i feel like i feel like we need okay. to keep this up yeah all right all right we've got little finger egret uh-huh. and renly oh that's really easy. <laughs> you think? Well, obviously, if you had Littlefinger, like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you have to. Um, Wed Renly, because he's an idiot, and you can control him. Mm-hmm. And I guess you Betty Gret. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably fine. Um, yeah, but, like, in my case, it'd be, like, you know, the... 
that non-sexy bed sharing that highborn women do. I mean, not not I'd bed egret. Like, I know you would. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We're both redheads. It's fine. Um, Renly, yeah. The only reason I'd want to marry Renly, it's not that he's an idiot that I could control. It's that he just like. You'd get nice stuff, you know? Like, you'd have yeah, sweet Yeah, you would digs. get nice stuff. Yeah. You'd get, like, lots of hunting falcons, I guess. Yeah, like, with Ygritte, you get, like, a cave, and she also is, like, <laughs> you know, she she basically raped John. Like, she's not... She's not... No. She's a bit morally ambiguous. Tiny bit morally ambiguous, yes. Tiny, yeah. I mean, so is Renly, but for completely different reasons. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, he wouldn't... He'd let me do whatever I want, because he's gay, so it's fine. <laughs> I mean, he he is kind of, like, into usurping the throne for lols. Yeah, but, like, then I'd get to be the queen, right? Yeah, but not, like, you know, actually the queen, because... Well, I'd be like, look, dude, this is a stupid idea, we're not gonna do that, (laughs) and then it would be fine. And then I'd get nice stuff, and I look really good in yellow, so it's alright. I'm glad we had this conversation, Kylie. We it's have. very insightful. I know. Um, okay, so I don't know if you've seen The Room. We have. We love it. The room. But I feel like Lisa from The Room and Cersei from the show have a lot in common. Well, they wear red dresses, I guess. No, because, like, Lisa from The Room is, like, what what MRAs think women are like. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah, There's like, absolutely no reason for her to be unhappy because she's good in everything by her man, but she's just unhappy because she's a horrible bitch. Yeah. And that's a lot like what the marketing is like for Carol. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think, like, what we're asked to believe of Lisa and Cersei is very similar. I don't know that their characters are very similar. I'm not sure Lisa has a character for Stallone. <laughs> I think... This, I, I'm now picturing Carol, like... Getting drunk and putting a tie on her head. <laughs> she would totally do that. She'd tell her mom. She's super fun. She'd ignore her mom definitely having breast cancer. <laughs> um, so I just think of the disaster artist yeah. or the actor who plays her. The actor who plays the actor who played her is just like, I don't know why I said that. It never comes back up. The disaster artist actor who played Lisa, like, I didn't really appreciate how good she was until the end credits were rolling and it was showing the side by side of, like, their takes versus the room's takes. And she was just, like, completely spot on (laughs) with all of it. That movie was, like, fine. Um, it was fun to watch, but I don't think it was, it was very enjoyable to watch, but, like, people have pointed out flaws to me. I'm like, yeah, okay, those flaws all exist. And there was no rewatch. But I'm not, like, I'm not emotionally invested in liking it like i am in rogue one so it's fine is lisa flaws it was enjoyable is carol tearing larry apart oh yeah for sure for sure definitely tearing him apart i think my favorite part of lisa is her seduction of mark where he's just like (laughs) come on what are you doing come on now stop that (laughs) oh man all right anonymous said in the previous ubs podcast um like inbox hour you were asked about catelyn and dorn and it made me wonder which women of westeros do you think would cope best and worst with barry being married off into dorn whether to the martells or any other house i think marge would be great at it actually i think marge would rise to whatever occasion she needed to yeah um the worst slice of Aaron. <laughs> i was just gonna say that oh man the poor tully girls yeah <laughs> they're like really not equipped with much mm. Um, 
Yeah, they... Jane Poole. Oh my god. Like, before, before all her trauma. Nice, fun, innocent Jane Poole from A Game of Thrones. Here's the thing. I feel like a lot of these women would do fine in Dorne because, yeah. like, everything would just default to their husband. Yeah. So, like, Jane Westerling would probably do fine because she's a doormat. So mm-hmm. she'd just do whatever she needed to do. Um, it's like the women with opinions that are indoctrinated into the patriarchy that would have yeah. the biggest... Like, Catelyn. Poor Catelyn. Um, how do you think Cersei would do? Adorn. Not well. Because <laughs> she's, like, racist. She thinks that she's too good for them, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, all like... But, like, you know, there's the Danes who have their own, like, prestige about them. Yeah, because they look like Targs. Right, and she's into Targs. Hmm. Um, oh. I don't, I, I don't think that, like, like, you know, that the opportunity that women have to have, like, you know, political influence, like, formal political influence in Dorne, mm-hmm. I don't think it would work out for her because she's so fucking racist. Nobody would listen to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, like, even the political opportunity for women in Dorne, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if it's an outside marriage and you're coming yeah. into there, that's not really, like... Well, I don't know. We have headcanons about Danny Prime. Yeah. And how she's terrifying. But that's, like... <laughs> that's very specific. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very specific, exactly. Uh, Elena, I don't think, would have done very well in Dorne. Well, we we have very definite opinions about how Elena would do in Dorne. If you'd like to read about them. If you'd like um, to read about them, check out <laughs> A Wedding in Sunspare by Julia Martel. <laughs> on Archive of Our Own. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to think. No, it's the kind of like, um, like a woman who's intelligent the way that Elena is, but who's also bought into the patriarchy would have the most trouble. Like someone who, like Jane Westerling, who's just a doormat, as you said. Yeah. Would just eventually adapt and be kind of like. Sansa would be great, sort of by the way. Yeah, Sansa would be awesome. Yeah. She could adapt to any situation, though. Yeah. Because she's the best and she's an INFJ. The end. <laughs> Um, Arya actually might have some issues, depending on... Arya would have... Arya, I think, would have any issues in any kind of situation. Totally. That's political. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, any anything where there are, like, expectations that limit her in that way, I think. God, there's a dearth of highborn women to talk about. Are there? Is there? I'm, try- I'm trying to think of more to list. Well, mm-hmm. compared to, like, guys, yeah. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, yeah. But... What about uh, Lala's, not, not Lala, her, her sister, Felice Stokeworth? How would Stokeworth? she do? <laughs> I don't think Felice would be happy in Dorne. No. She's very, I don't know, I feel like the Westernlands and the Riverland, like, I feel like it would be hard. Yeah, the, like, that little, what about, uh, what about our girl? What? Uh, our girl, uh, what's her face? We have many girls. Miranda. Miranda Royce? Yeah. Oh man, she'd piss people off. Yeah, she'd piss. Like she's kind of she's kind of lewd. <laughs> yeah, like she'd come in and be like, "Oh, this is how I bond with the Dornish," and they'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like she'd actually like rub up against people wrong, um, like literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, she's delightful. I love her so much. <laughs> All right, let's do one more before the next bed would be had, because the Lisa okay. ask was a little <laughs> silly. 
For the UBS uh, episode, is there a Dornish timeline you wish you knew more about? I'd love yeah. to know more about Mary <laughs> when she was younger, but also the time after the Red Princes when things were calmer internally. Did they have a princess remember for her, for her wisdom and laws or a poet prince or someone remembered for their building? Seems to me like prime time for really helping create a Dornish identity. Now everyone was better unified. It would be interesting to know how it was done. Wouldn't it, though? I am fascinated by that timeline. Um, yeah. I'm going to be honest about the time period that interests me the most. It's okay. It's like Mama Martel raising our kids. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like... That's the family that leaves us. See, no, Mary Martell is actually like very interesting because she came to the throne very young and she had a very long reign. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of it would kind of be like Victoria if Victoria wasn't so patriarchy wasn't so patriarchy brained. Oh man! So yeah, that, I think that would be <laughs> Victoria. Yeah, um, I think that would be pretty awesome, and like. The Red Princes, especially, like, you know, like, following up from, following up from Nymeria and, like, being the first kind of women to inherit like that, I think that would be, like, extremely, an extremely interesting time and, and, yeah, definitely a very formative time. But at the same time, we could learn about what kind of a child Oberyn was and if our headcanons are correct. (laughs) Well, yeah, of course. We, We both know what kind of child Oberyn would be. Because he always interrupts our podcast recordings. Uh, <laughs> we could learn about, um, like, Mama Martell going to King's Landing, too, to befriend yeah. someone half her age. <laughs> oh, God, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. 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 That's, I'm sorry, that's definitely a screw up on Martin's part. And, like, Tyrion's sexism only counts for so much. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, it's Tyrion refers to Mama Martell and Joanna Lannister as, like, girls Being together. girls together. But, like, if you look at the timeline, Mama Martell is, like, twice the age of Joanna. And she already has, like, has had five babies at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... And so during the War of the Nine... I mean, my own kind of headcanon for this is that she was just so horrified by, like, what was happening to Rayella that she just, like, took her narrow wing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm perfectly comfortable yeah. with that, but... Yeah. All right. On that happy note, let's do another wed bed we had. So, Hooray. Right. Let's talk about more fragment 12-year-olds. <sighs> now we have the High Septon. Uh-huh. Strong Belwas. Of course. And Asha. <sighs> okay. I'm like, I legitimately want to be Asha's wife, so this is fine with me. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I would, I would bed the High Sparrow because that would kill him. So two birds. Um, you're not because you're, of your Miranda Royce vagina. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think any vagina would do it. Um, I don't. I don't have nothing against Strong Boas, but I guess I gotta behead him. I think I would. I mean, he's kind of annoying to tell you the truth. The way he I talks think I would bed person. him over the High Sparrow. I don't think yeah. I want to be in bed with the High Sparrow. Yeah, you don't want to kill him. <laughs> well. You know what? I'm yeah, I suppose be- we can behead the High Sparrow and then bed Strong Bellas. I don't know. I might be interested to just kind of know what the High Sparrow is all about, though. Yeah, that's true. So maybe I might bed him out he's of an intellectual interest. He's definitely like the guy who would tell you everything as soon as you slept with him. But Asha is like a catch, so mm. I don't but, know and how. And Strong Bellas probably like eats in bed. He probably brings like an entire chicken yeah. into bed with him. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's I can't do that. Or he'd have bad breath. I feel like yeah. the high sparrow would have better breath. Um Yeah, I don't know how into women Asha is, but it's fine. I can just be her wife as long as she's <laughs> It's a political like, marriage, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Political marriage to Asha. I'll take it. Uh I just don't really like to sail that much, so hopefully she's cool with that. <laughs> Okay, so Avatar Will 113 said, and this is related to uh, Game of Thrones, I believe. Well, it has to be. <laughs> um, is there a new High Septon? Does anyone in King's Landing care that a major religious landmark was destroyed? No. Are we to assume that all sparrows were in the Sept? Yes. Have the issues which caused the movement been addressed in any way? Yes. <laughs> Cheryl blew them up. It's a good it. thing the showrunners have decided these questions are unimportant. <laughs> well, didn't didn't we get like at one point Larry said there were hundreds of sparrows, right? Yeah. And like when she blew them up there was qu- clearly like 14 of them there. Yes. There's <laughs> like not more than that. Everyone else was just I like, mean, did, a- do only the Faith Taliban count as sparrows in this context? Was there the like uh the shoddily dressed septons everywhere? I don't know. Seven you know what Ray's I love? Not a sparrow. <laughs> you know what I love about the Faith Taliban? How they have like these like makeshift weapons. They have like nails, boards with nails in them and stuff. Like Even though like at least one of them is a knight. Cudgels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I always say that word wrong. I always want to like, say cuggle. Is 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 there? That's something else. My love. Um, I know what cuggle is. <laughs> I make a delicious one. Is there like some kind of religious significance to having like shitty and effective weapons? It's supposed to be like raw and like of the people, I guess, <laughs> and populism. Oh, they're like okay. they're like personal militias. I don't know, dude. So Sept- Septon Ray was totally not a sparrow, right? No, he was like an atheist or something. <laughs> He didn't know the name of the gods, so I don't know what he is. Um, oh my god. I think one of my favorite parts is like, excuse me, no, people didn't care that a major religious landmark was destroyed. Um, yeah. In fact, the Iron Bank was happy that Cheryl cast off the yoke of superstition yeah. from the streets. Good job. But I think my favorite part is that like, in addition to, you know, Kevin and Marjorie and Loris blowing up, it was like all those reach people, like yeah. all those scantily clad reach ladies and stuff. Uh-huh. And that wasn't immediately like a turnoff for Lord Tarly. He was just like, hmm, you know. Well, Lord good Tarly amount. was mildly conflicted, if I recall. Like, I do s- he was conflicted because he's like, I serve Elena. And then Larry was like, but you also serve Cheryl. How does he he's serve like, Because mm. she's the. <laughs> She's the Lord Paramount, obviously. Obviously. I mean, like... I can't believe it's not patriarchy. I guess all of the hens were also killed. Like, wouldn't Mega come before her in the line of succession? <laughs> oh, I mean, I assume Mega. I assume she has some kind of, like, patrilineal... Uh, I think my favorite thing is that, like, you and I are going on, like, three and a half years of our relationship. Uh-huh. And Mega is still our default Terrell. <laughs> of course. Who else is there? There's Bro- Bro- Bella, isn't there? There's like a B one. There's I don't know. Eleanor, Mega. 
the real question is 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 there a second lady crane who blew up in the septs or it was lady crane did she just like ditch the hens and go join an acting troupe <laughs> we will never know something is mad is not meant to know <laughs> um yeah anyway avatar will uh that is a little bug up our ass as well <laughs> you can expect us to be talking about that when we get to the uh cheryl's landing retrospective mm-hmm. I, I don't know i forget how we're dividing it up so do i it made sense in our heads yeah. at the time sam is coming last and winterfell is coming first i don't think the middle matters too much <laughs> dragonstone oh boy oh boy season seven okay anonymous <laughs> said you can't blame D for making Tyrion less problematic yes we can nobody likes <laughs> we can and we do nobody <laughs> likes a rapist who has homicidal and rapey thoughts about his sister whose son he also threatened to rape if she kept messing with his whore even with acedian <laughs> enough oh my god enough with the acedian edginess let's embrace the more light-hearted version for once even if it's not 100 percent accurate <laughs> because light-hearted means whitewashing the white straight dude Great. Also, like, acedia is not. <laughs> acedia does not mean, like, something is negative about a character. Mm-hmm. Acedia means that, like, the overarching purpose of the story is, like, nihilistic and wallowing in the darkness. Tyrion is a dark gray character. And the, the thing point- is that we do kind of like the rapist who has homicidal rapely thoughts about his sister. That's what makes it interesting. <laughs> that's the point. Yes. That's, you know, and right, like, the point is that he challenges us. Yeah. And his flaws aren't there for us to be like, cool, flaws and rape. It's for us to be like, it's engaging for us, with yeah, it's what for us makes- to be like, oh, I see his point of view and I'm slightly horrified by that fact. What does this say about me and my relationship to my own humanity? And the idea, like, Game of Thrones is a lighthearted version of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, like, don't tell D&D, they would be so upset. Also, what I mean, I guess it's, I guess it is a lighthearted version of Tyrion in mm-hmm. that it's not Tyrion and it's just some weird guy cracking jokes. But, like, uh, I mean, if you think the point of characters is to get audiences to have an unproblematic hero to champion well sometimes it is sometimes it is but like that's not that's not what martin was doing with this character mm-hmm. and what D have done with Tyrion's character is nothing yeah no it's it's less than nothing it's <laughs> it's um i mean we've written two arcs on it like yeah every season is just you know people learning to appreciate him or him learning to appreciate himself that's what it it's is like- he's He's actually a Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, this this season, all his plans were shit. So that's good. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But like, just <laughs> we'll I, figure out what no, the fuck I'm, is going on with Tyrion this season. Just honestly, I think I think Tyrion might be now. a case where we watch it re- this season. We rewatch it and we kind of like it more than we thought. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, maybe there's some. Maybe there's an interesting reverse honeypot in there. Remember the reverse honeypot that like Masande and Grey Worm are running Marine and Tyrion. <laughs> Tyrion's just as drunk ass when we get in their way and then takes all the credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I wish I had. I'm sorry, Anon, for this next one. I wish I had uh, moved it up when we had been talking about, like, Maiden's Day. But do you think the burial practices for some of the houses of... What do you think the burial practices for some of the houses of Dorn are? Do you think any of them give bodies to the sands or burn them, maybe do a Tully-esque river ceremony with some of the green blood houses? I'm going to go out on a limb and say cremation is not a popular choice. Um, 
Well, I feel like there's some baggage tied to yeah. lighting people on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, I don't know, Liv. I kind of like, I like the idea of the whole, like, the Tibetan idea that you feed bodies to vultures. But oh. I don't, I don't think that the seven would be very cool with that for some reason. I feel like, I feel like there's going to be houses like the Ullers who still do that. Yeah. But like, that's not widespread and that's not recommended. Yeah. I think, I know, I've always pictured like, you know, old fashioned tombs. Like, you know, you let. Like sarcophagi? No, like you let, uh, you let the body chill out in the tomb for a while and then you take mm-hmm. the bones and you put them in the ossuary. Just put a lot of thought into this narrative. No, it's just like, just how like, it's like a Middle Eastern thing. That's just how they used to do it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I could yeah. totally see that. I could totally see that being the case. Hey, Julia. Mm-hmm. Hey, Julia. Yeah. Are you ready for another wed bed band? No, no. Let's do the next one first. <laughs> oh. Okay, sure. Okay. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen dragon? An Asosi dragon or a Westerosi dragon? Uh, let's say dragon. Jogun on the show. Jogun on the show. Unladen. Unladen. Um, plot. <laughs> I mean, when we were, like, joking about implausible plausibilities or plausible implausibility, impossibilities, whatever the fuck it is, um, you know, we were talking about, like, let's just pretend a dragon can go as fast as an airplane. Yeah. Right? Which is, like, 500 Well, there are airplanes that go, like, Mach 4 at this point. <laughs> yeah. And there are airplanes that, like, you know, when... You cross the Atlantic and you feel like dying. Yeah, but like, I don't think these are like dragons breaking the sound barrier, you know? And like, I know you're asking unladen, but I I feel like they're not going that much slower with a rider on them. And the riders are. Maybe they're like like... Lion. (laughs) Maybe they're like Lion with their portals. Yeah. Um, But I feel like, you know, the dragon riders aren't being hurled off or like sustaining damage to their hearing in any way. Yeah, and they don't even, like, strap themselves in in any way. Like, do they have stirrups? Doesn't look like it. It'd be a good idea if they did. Yeah, stirrups are always a good idea. Anyway, the correct answer is the speed of the plot. Thank you for playing. Yeah. Okay. Wed, bed, behead. So we've got... Oh my god. This random number generator's poop. Marjorie Terrell. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Who else is gonna come up? Uh, Brienne. Okay. I already don't want to behead either of them. So, uh, and Garland Terrell. Oh, this is a good one. Well, I think we would have to wed Marjorie because everyone else is doing it. <laughs> Excuse me. No, I am wedding Brienne <laughs> and I'm going to let her follow her dreams and do whatever she wants. And I will paint all the shields like dunk for her. I mean, I would definitely like, you know, just jump on Garland Terrell and ride him like a horsey. Um, God, I can't decide. Marjorie is kind of young. Yeah. So I feel better about saying I'd ride Garland, but then we have to murder Marjorie? What'd she do? She may have a not intact hymen. I mean, that's pretty... I can't kill Brienne. I cannot kill Brienne. And I would rather kill Garland than Marjorie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, can I can I have sex with him and then kill him? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> wed, wed, bed, behead, behead. <laughs> Here's. Here. I think if I honestly had to do this, because like I'm sorry, I'm wedding Brienne. Like that's gonna happen. Okay. Um, I would 
bed Marjorie in the same way that I would like she'd be in my bed and I'd be like hey I don't want to touch you because you're younger and your hymen keeps getting traded around like a baseball card so this is weird no it's a non-sexy bed sharing she's your like you know your bed maid she can I spoon with Marjorie I'll spoon with Marjorie I bet she'd be good at it yeah well you know it's cold and it's the winter time and I'm gonna be head garland it's just no offense (laughs) I don't feel right about beheading your sister just because you're kind of a mensch (laughs) so that's what I'm doing, but, like, Brienne needs to be protected at all costs. Okay. Okay. That was a really good one, though. I'm happy with the random number generator. <laughs> yeah. Good job, random number generator. This is actually hard. This is just called random.org. <laughs> um, all right. Stephen Delane said this about Game of Thrones in a recent interview. Okay, let's hear it. I was entirely dependent on Liam to tell me what the scenes were about. Oh, Liam <laughs> Cunningham, I'm, I'm assuming, the guy who plays uh, Davos? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what I'd be doing until we finished filming and it was too late. The damage had been done. I thought no one would believe me and I was rather disheartened by the end. I felt like I built a castle on non-existent foundations. (laughs) And then the Anon says, isn't a castle on non-existent foundations a great metaphor for GOT? The foundations being writing, of course, lol. (sighs) Castle in the clouds. What did we call it? um, Where we said it was like the facade of a story. Cargo cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It was, um, the, what's the fake village in, um... Potemkin Village. Yes, yes, Potemkin Village. Where it's a fake, it's just completely fake. And yeah, uh, he built a castle on a non-existent foundation. It's absolutely, like, sorry, dude, it's the writing. Stephen Delane, you are a wonderful actor. They didn't give you anything for this role. Um, I like the idea that he's just intensely confused the whole time. So Stannis <laughs> being, like, curmudgeonly has nothing to do with anything. It's just Stephen Delane being like... <laughs> yeah. So wait a minute, wait a minute. What's what's this character doing again? (laughs) What's going on? This is like the most meta thing where it's just like Stephen Delane is super bitter and pissed off as he's filming. This is almost better than Alexander Siddig like (laughs) filming as he's judging them like spending money. (laughs) Which is never not one of the best things that's happened. Um and you know, like he could have read the books. That might have yeah, helped. I mean, they were discouraged from doing that. That's true. They were. They're actively discouraged. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you talk to them about the books, they get a glazed over look in their eyes. Yeah. According to uh, but the, it kind of reminds yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, Robert Beltran on Voyager. Like apparently, um, by the seventh season, he wasn't even reading the whole script, just the scenes, because he was like his job was to perform them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next ask we got, I'm going to just kind of like paraphrase because basically I was saying like, it boggles my mind that people hate the last Jedi. And by that, I mean like the plot and the characterizations and stuff. Julia hasn't seen it yet. So we can't tomorrow. It, okay. But, oh my God. It's only been out for eight days. <laughs> but hate it. Like, like people were saying it's worse than the prequels, like as a film. What? Yeah. It's I mean, you can nonsense. tell from the trailers that it's not worse than the prequels, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, I can't believe people, like, it boggles my mind people think this. And it's the same group of people that don't see any flaws in Game of Thrones. And the Anand said, I wouldn't say they see no flaws in Game of Thrones. They're not as critical as you, but I think everyone agrees that season seven was underwhelming. Well, I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that people can see some flaws, but it's like, there's a difference between people like, oh, 
you know, Eastwatch was poorly paced or Beyond the Wall, like, was contrived. There's a difference between seeing those flaws versus, like understanding everything everything is shit and everything is illogical (laughs) and like no one sees that first of all and no one seems well not no one but the people that we're talking about yeah yeah but like so when i say like no one sees like obviously people see some flaws i also like it's it's also important to note that like even though things were critical people were still pretty happy with the final episode for some reason um and even the articles that were like, yeah, it's going downhill, it was framed as like, well, it's still the best entertainment, yeah. but it's going downhill, but it's the best. And there's like the Globe, like it got Golden Globe nominations and stuff like that. So, did it? I mean, yeah, I like, uh, I don't pay attention to this anymore. I don't know. I think it's not really controversial to say Game of Thrones fans, by and large, will not engage with its flaws in a way that's reasonable. <laughs> Um, to the same point that Star Wars fans are completely unable to be pleased yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I was I was obviously posting that in frustration, but I I did just like there's there's a difference in scales. There's flaws and flaws, you know. Yeah, I agree. Dig into the foundation with us. It's shit. <laughs> <sighs> it's not even like yeah. No, let's skip. Yeah, skip the ones because it's kind of related. Huh? Skip to the next one because it's kind of related. Then we can go back to that oh. One. Anonymous said for the podcast with all the TV noms being released why do you think Peter Dicklidge is still getting praise for his acting on Game of Thrones I found him boring and disinterested for the majority of the last season except for the scene with Lena in the finale but even then Lena Headey yeah but even then he gets recognized and Lena Headey doesn't I don't get it okay that I don't get at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. like she's just so fucking awesome in that show I do agree. Like, there are people who say that she doesn't work for them because she kind of does the same, like, teeth bared, I am Cersei and this is my dignified way of speaking. Like, I I get why people aren't super into it. I disagree because she moves all the muscles in her face and it makes me feel things. Um, But yeah, like, that final scene where they sold the hell out of the most stupid premise possible... Uh Like, you're right. Why does Peter Dinklage get credit, but Lena Headey doesn't? And Peter Dinklage has been, like, phoning it in. Like, he's been doing his scenes on, like, Skype interviews. Like, Yeah, and, like, like, let's be honest. Lena Headey should have been getting these nominations since her walk. Like, since before that. Like, she's been doing a fantastic job the whole time. Mm -hmm. She's a really good actress. A really good what? She's a really good actor. Yeah. And it's just, like... I mean, that's not, like... Like... You know, this isn't a zero-sum game. Peter Dinklage is also an excellent actor. But, like... But he has seemed like he's on Valium for yeah, the no, past but three like, years. No, like, if you give him a very particular kind of scene, like, you know, the kind of, like, man-tears kind of scene, you can mm-hmm. tell he's into those, because I, I think he just enjoys those. He thinks he's good at them. But... He is. Like, yeah, well, yeah, well, he's a good actor. He's good at everything. But, um... Like his trial, his trial scenes in season four were really good. But yeah. like, think but like, about all. Yeah, that's the kind of scene, and like they try, they keep trying to give him that scene. You know, like the whole thing in the dungeon when he's talking to Larry, and he's just like, "I didn't ask to be made." Like that's like the same kind of scene. But then season six, yeah. season five, and six were literally just like him in chairs with like deadpan looking bored. Yeah. No, like between and most of this season too. Like I can't think of a single memorable scene for him in season six. I also just don't think that he's been doing, like, a f- that much of a better job than, like, you know, 
Alfie Allen. Yeah, I mean, like, he's not, like, it's not his fault, like, entirely. Like, they haven't really given him any interesting, because, like... I guess it's like they can't nominate Kit. Why can't they nominate... Well, no, they because can't. Because he sucks. Literally a piece of cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kit Harrington, I'm sure you're wonderful. Also, uh, hasn't Amelia gotten some nominations Amelia here Clark? and there? You gotta, you're yeah. gonna have to stop with calling these people by their first names. I'm not gonna let it go. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're listening to this podcast at this point and you don't know who Amelia is, she's my pal. We got coffee the other day, okay? And you told her how much her acting sucked? And I was like, dude, your acting was the best in those, like, PSA commercials you did. <laughs> it's a, it's unfortunate because she seems like a really nice person in interviews yeah. and she seems to be kind of engaged on issues, but, like, that mm-hmm. acting. <laughs> I can't wait for the Han Solo movie. <laughs> oh my god. I don't think it will be my Rogue One, my next Rogue One. That's for sure. Um, I don't know why Rogue One was your Rogue One. But neither do I, fine. but it is. <laughs> okay? Anyway, we don't really know, Anon. Mm-hmm. We don't know. It's a mystery. Okay. Who is ready for the next Wedbed Behead? This is getting out of hand. I don't care. Alright. We're doing it. Okay, All right. I'm ready. Uh, Jorah? Creepy stalkers. Olana. And oh no, this is not going to be a good one. And Roderick Harlaw. So Jorah, the reader, and Olana. Okay, so I would kill the creepy stalker. Always kill the creepy stalker. I'm not marrying. Roderick, because then I'd have to live on the Iron Islands. And you want to marry Elena? Then you get to rule the Reach, apparently. And then I get to rule the Reach. Which Elena am I marrying? Because I, if I'm marrying Diana Riggs, Elena, I, I don't, I don't know. You can marry her for the insurance money. <laughs> Would I get to be a grape if I marry her? No, she's apparently a Terrell, so. I think I would have to bury her though, and yeah. then just bang Roderick. I don't. I can't see I think, reversing that. I mean, he probably has read about sex in a book. I'll like marry Olena, and we can kind of sink into misandry together, mm. and we'll be fine. Because <laughs> Westeros is terrible. That was not good. That was not a good one. We had <laughs> at all. I didn't well, at like least the behead was easy. Creepy stalker. Head was super easy. Creepy stalker. We're not fans of Dora, no matter speaking, how good Ian Gorm looks in a Kirk. How the hmm? fuck are radio stations still playing Baby It's Cold Outside? Like, this year, they're still playing that song. Uh, I know. What is wrong with you people? Stop playing that song. It's about rape. Please. Thank you. You can also listen to Rebecca Bunch's album, Suck at Christmas. Yes. For some lovely Hanukkah songs. If you I think like maybe two of them qualify season. as Hanukkah songs, but <laughs> Happy Epic Hanukkah. And then Hanukkah Honey, where Mizuza is a name for her clay. Oh my god, Hanukkah Honey is amazing. It's like you you're so tall, you must be five foot eight. <laughs> Fucking Did love you it. Know oh speaking our of families this, have mutual friends. The Schecters, do you know them? <laughs> uh speaking of Rebecca Bunch, BP or Rachel Bloom, but uh BPD Rebecca Bunch asked can you talk about the parallels between Theon and Bran? Thanks. I don't think they said thanks like that. I'm saying thanks like that. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, uh, no. Which? I'm sorry. Are we talking the show or the books? 
I think we're talking about the books. Okay, that's good, because there's no such thing as a parallel on the show. Well, people are parallel in their ineffectiveness sometimes, but... Um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Parallels. I mean, I think they both have an arc where they're coping with a disability. Other than that. Sure. I'm kind of drawing a blank. I know, maybe I'm just bad at literary analysis. In A Clash of Kings, they're kind of foily. Yeah. The whole prin- they're both the Prince of Winter. The Prince of Winter huh? fell. Oh my god, that's like ingrained in me now. Yeah. Um God, I don't know. Why are we why are we failing at this so badly? Okay, let, let's let's work on that whole Prince of Winterfell thing. You know what we should actually do for our next A Song of Ice and Fire podcast what? is Theon and a Dance with Dragons. Oh, that's hard. Of course it's hard. It's gonna be and work. it's a, okay. It's gonna be work, but it's a really good plot line. Yeah. Um Okay, so they're both in in a, in a dance with dragons. They're also both, <sighs> yeah, identity. <laughs> it's always identity. I know they both kind of have a relationship with the old gods. I think they do. But Theon's is a little like. I don't know that I would say they parallel each yeah. other. I would. I think that they're. Wait, foils, I think there's something I think to the, the whole. They're both the Prince of Winterfell thing. And Bran reaching out to Theon. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's definitely a compelling dynamic that they have together, but I don't know if I would call it a parallel. No, because, like, they both kind of feel illegitimate in that role. Yeah. I mean, Bren's on a magical destiny, and Theon's just sort of on the, like, trajectory to not be a shit. Yeah. Because he wants to be better than the person he was before, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm having trouble with this. I'm having trouble with this. Okay. I don't Let's know. I'm on. sorry, BPD Rebecca Bunch. That's a really good <laughs> handle, and we have failed you epically. Uh, but we will think about that, and I actually am like pretty committed to at some point doing a Theon episode. I think that would be good. So, anyway, next. Uh, someone said, uh, hey, thanks for all your comments and insights. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> We're the best. I know you're already busy with many things. Yep. But at some point, would you consider writing an overview and analysis of the show's handling of same-sex relationships and problematic aspects with how they're written? Well, season one and two had some good points, although some problems too. Season three onwards seemed like a deep decline. And your thoughts on how that happened would be really interesting. Thanks. Um, well, we know I'm how it happened. The, how it happened is they thought that Laura's being gay was hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like opposed to writing anything, but I'm trying to think and um. Remember that scene in season one where Littlefinger's making Roz play with the other sex worker? Yeah. As he's <laughs> expositing. It was like about... a job interview, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that's not, a, that's obviously not a same sex relationship. Yeah. But like, I just, I'm trying to think, like, that's, that's mostly been D&D's approach to intimacy between two women. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what was that? Um, Laura said Renly was done fairly well mm, yes in season one i don't know why renly was avoid afraid of blood that was weird well i think <sighs> they were going for this whole thing about him being like pushed into claiming the crown by his fear of emasculation but why yeah i don't know why but i think that's what they were going for and like loris was the one who was all like because loris is, is a tyrell still so he's all like you know i mean i kind of get that but yeah. um in season two they had, like, that stupid moment of Renly not being able to kiss Marge. Yeah. 
because he was so gay. And then her being like, oh, do you want me to roll over? <laughs> or I can get my brother. And it's like, if she knew this, why even like put him in this situation? <laughs> She's later like, I-, I-, I don't know. That whole thing like didn't work at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I think it was... And then they cut the one scene that was really good. I think it was like, yeah, the directing of that scene that really made it a problem. Like, that scene could have been okay. Well, because they like, it was like a comedy. Yeah, and it shouldn't have been. Mm-mm. Um, as, and then, yeah, then, you know, Renly died and then they didn't know what to do with Loris. So in season three, he just kind of became this big old stereo, gay stereotype. And they're like, we want him to be rude to Sansa. Yeah. And talk about fabulous dresses that he will design. (laughs) And then he just kind of became like background dressing. He jumped into bed with Oliver immediately. And remember how we commented how like, uh, as soon as Oberyn arrived, he kind of disappeared and then he just kind of popped Mm -hmm. back up as soon as Oberyn was dead. Oh, the Oberyn was, like, making eyes at him at one yeah, point. Yeah, at one point, because, like, they have gay. Oh, my God, I forgot. I forgot. Oberyn, mm. Oberyn and Ilaria were hypersexualized bisexuals. Yeah. Brown. Uh, brown. Just a yes. little cherry on there. Yep. Important to note that. Yeah. And, which was really weird, <laughs> because they, like, literally lived in a brothel. Yeah, that, that was an I, odd choice. I mean, it was, like, such, like, it was, like, like, even... In season four, like, when that happened, I was just like, oh, of course. But, like, the more you think about it, it's just like, that was a very odd choice. Especially when you look at the text. Like, you just look at the plain text. And you're just like, that was a very deliberate decision that they made. (laughs) And it was interesting because, like, when Oberyn explained what his bisexuality was, it was, like, a pretty decent way to explain it. It was just like, the gods make this and it pleases me. The gods make this and it pleases me. It's just like, okay. Yeah fine but it's, it's then, like a bisexual like, manifesto got, yeah <laughs> yeah and it was fine yeah, I but guess. then you've got that with like you know then into season five you've got like butt birthmark mm-hmm. oliver and loris like oh god oh remember ilaria not wanting bi erasure with <laughs> that was awesome shut up <laughs> you were so into that it was i was um, really into that but yeah, I don't know. Uh, we we do have a piece on Loras Terrell's treatment, yeah. and then like Julia and I certainly talk about his treatment with uh, Cheryl's landing, and how it was kind of just like he suffers for the straight gaze. I can't even talk about Yolaria. Like <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, there's talk not much to talk. It. Like there's no substance to it, so it's just kind of it like. It was literally there for the trailer, yeah. and because they have to assume two queer women around each other need to kiss each other. I don't even know why they made Yara bisexual. Why did they, like, explicate that? That was weird. Because bisexuality is empowering, don't you know? But there's no lesbians on the show. No, I guess there aren't. Which is fine. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I want the lesbian to have been the character led around on the leash. But, yeah. Like, it was just such a like, intentional, bizarre choice to me. Um... I just, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't deal with it. <laughs> I, I'll consider writing something uh, more comprehensive at some point. Then but, just, yeah, we can't even, yeah. <laughs> just we can't even, but it, it became increasingly like a joke, mm-hmm. and certainly between two women, it's to titillate and for trailers. So, one more and then another red bed we had, I think. Oh, darling, okay. <laughs> hey, Julia. Yes? Why was Cersei Carolized on the show? <laughs> Is it because they like Lena Headey? I don't mind her humanizing moments in season one through three. Well, what was the thought process behind making her this innocent victim in season five compared to her villainy in, this, in the that feast for thing. curse? They didn't know they were doing that as far as we can tell. They thought they were favorite. doing th- Game of Thrones. <laughs> they thought they were doing a feast for crows. 
so like, like it's my so favorite hard. part of the my favorite part of the Carol's Landing retrospective, uh-huh. like the first one, is one of our subtitles is just "What the fuck kind of story is this?" <laughs> I think that was a regular feature in that particular year. Yeah. No, no, no. This is like specific to Carol's. Like, just what the fuck story is? Like, yeah. like what the fuck were they going for? Was one, but we were seriously like, what kind of fucking story is this? Because it was literally about a woman trying to protect her kids, and then she gets punished for it. It's like what? So like. They think that they were writing her in a feast for crows, and there's certain things they have her do, like when she randomly armed the faith, and when she was like grinning. No, but like they keep talking about her as like she'll do anything for power. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's the thing that they keep beating over our heads. Like she'll do anything for power, which is somehow different from what Marge is doing, from what Elena is doing. Well, she'll do anything for power, but then her children are her one redeeming quality, right? So, but then, okay, so a lot of the problem is that D&D don't realize that they wrote something problematic between Tommen and Marjorie, right? So like, Yeah, so so it's all framed as, uh, God, we, we've litigated this so many times, but it's all framed as, like, she doesn't <laughs> want to lose her control over her son, and like... Because of power. Yeah, but it's framed, yeah, but no, yeah, it's framed as how, like, this relationship that Marjorie has with Tommen is somehow, like, a legitimate source of power for Marjorie. And it's framed that, like, Carol's objections to it are petty yeah. and because of her own ambition. ambition rather than because her son is being statutorily raped. Not even just like statutorily raped, but even like just like clearly like this is even if he were like, you know, of legal age, he's clearly being yeah. manipulated. He's very oh, emotionally totally. This is not healthy. Yeah. This is not healthy. Um, and so part of the problem is that they didn't realize that. So then they thought like, you know, her actions that she was taking to literally protect her children yeah. were supposed to land as like, oh, that bitch doesn't want to give up her power. Yeah. And this was even into season six, too, when she's like, we need to plan a coup to get rid of the faith because this is a major problem. But like the idea is... And she's just Ugh. like, she's putting aside her feelings for Marjorie because the crown is in danger. But then that didn't work yeah. <laughs> and then and then she asked for it again and Olin is like you're a vile woman <laughs> the truly vile stand up I mean just like no just like I mean yeah like like I said we've litigated this in several thousand words so I, I chalk it mostly up to incompetence and in that they mm. that some of their sexist assumptions lead them to think that they're writing a character that's the same as Cersei is honestly like what it comes down to yeah cause yeah Yep. But, like, they have other female characters who do objectively the same thing that get to be good guys, is what confuses me. Uh, yeah, I don't... I, I can't explain that one. Like, what is um, so, like, pu- much purer about the Tyrell's motives? Like, what are these motives? Because Marjorie's definitely just power-hungry, right? She's not, like, even power-hungry. Like, she's being called the queen-hungry or something. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> Like there's there's certainly nothing like you know higher or praiseworthy about their motives. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Anyway, go go read our Carol's landings and Cheryl's landings. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. our Carol's landing especially, yeah. I think, is going to point you. But we don't have much of an answer beyond incompetence yeah. or creatively it made sense. Yeah. Hey, I'm Julia, just arguing circles about it. Yeah. Wed bed behead. No, it's not time for that yet. It is okay. And this is. A- Really easy one, I think. But it's Kyburn, Quentin, and Catelyn. Oh, 
I'm marrying Quentin. That's like exactly what I want my husband to be like anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I would don't want to vet him because that might kill him and I like him. Um, yeah, I definitely want to kill Kyburn because he's... I would rather bed Catelyn than Kyburn, but I feel really bad because Catelyn would not know what to do in bed with the woman. No. We'd bed share. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of non-sexy bed sharing going on. Yeah, like, like I like Catelyn. She apparently has nice jugs, but I don't think she'd be very comfortable in a same-sex situation. Yeah. So I and I wouldn't wanna... want to make her uncomfortable. No. That, that's rude. Don't make fictional characters uncomfortable in this <laughs> exactly. game, guys. But, I mean, Quentin is, like, what I look for in a partner, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, Alright, Anonymous said, uh, How do you feel about the show making Jamie a, king, a kin slayer in season two? I know some book readers had a problem with it, especially since you can tell it was done just to remind the audience that they're supposed to hate them. It wasn't really necessary for him to escape. Also, when would you say Cersei became Carol? Um, I just completely forget about that whole kin slayer thing in season two because... So it was dumb, I guess. All the stuff that was going on in, like, Rob's camp in season two was just entirely forgettable. Well, I mean, except for Talisa zapping him. <laughs> I mean, even that, but, like, it's only, zapping it's only memorable because it's Zenon. so ridiculous, but it's just, like, <laughs> I know, there's, like, there's uh, no meaning in that scene, I don't think. Like, I guess, yeah, we're supposed to hate him, right? Well, I think Because he's doing like, all these likable things, and we can't like him, so therefore... You have to hate him, and he's yeah. I mean, it comes randomly. down to how 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 this was framed. Like, how did it justify itself? It was just to remind us, like, oh, he does bad things, which I don't see why we needed that reminder because he pushed Bran out the window yeah. in the pilot. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not even that annoyed with it. I'm just kind of like, why? Mm. Uh, but there's a lot of book readers who sort of fetishize a redemption arc in Jamie. They fetishize it. Uh, yeah. Why did you choose that I word? think so. Okay, maybe that was too strong of a word. They project a lot more redemption onto the character than has been earned. Okay. Because they really want the redemption arc and it's easy to get lulled into. And they're just... I feel like a lot of readers like that who are very, very into Jamie's character would be more upset by this change. Yeah. I mean... For me, it was just like... <laughs> I mean... Yeah, Jamie... It didn't justify itself. I, mean, it wasn't I think necessary. that that is something that Jamie is capable of. Kinslaying, if if he could get out, then yeah. I don't know. Especially at that point, like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not character assassination to the level of Larry screaming about his son and stuff, yeah. like or fucking on um, in the White Tower, you know. I know because like the whole like Jamie imprisonment thing was quite different on the show as well yeah uh, i honestly i'd have to rewatch season two mm. i haven't rewatched it in quite a while yeah i might i might do a, a proper rewatch um griffin actually hasn't seen any of game of thrones so i feel like he doesn't understand 80 percent of what i do <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't so know you, need, you need your own thing sometimes <laughs> yeah i do but this is some of my best writing Julia. yeah that's true but yeah, I mean, I'm never gonna so play Mass Effect no matter how much I it. So yeah, because like, there's always been indications, but when did she emerge fully as Carol? <sighs> Episode two, like <laughs> with the dead. Baby. Yeah, and that that, that conversation she had with Robert that Cersei would never have had. 
Oh, right. Like, um, here we sit. Our marriage keeps the kingdom together. Yeah, I mean, like, what's his face? The guy who played Robert. I'm glad he got a chance to act. But, like, um, Mark, Mark Addy. Addy. Yeah. yeah. You know, honestly, there's only been one episode where Cersei has felt like Cersei. Yeah, and, and that Blackwater. was Blackwater. <laughs> Stop it! I'll drunk and be like, "You gotta use your cunt, Sansa. <laughs> you gotta use your cunt and kill people, and they hate you, and that's good." <laughs> but I feel like they've always wanted to make Cersei more nuanced. Um, I guess when she became most obviously Carol was like at the end of season four with like "I choose you, Jamie." Too that was weird. I'm still, I still. It's like a big lip alligator moment at this point. But, like, the scripting was so wonky and so much of it. Like, remember the beginning of season four? Jamie was, like, trying to kiss her, and then Kyburn was, like, hinting that she got an abortion. And we're like, what is, what is this? That was so, so weird. I know, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they know how to write these two characters, so <laughs> it's a little... All right, the next ask... Sometimes I listen to Raman Dajwandi's reality. <sighs> Raman Dajwandi's truth. And I'm repeatedly blow away, blown away right? yeah. song, yeah, by what a beautiful piece yes. it is. But then I remember the horrendous <laughs> scene he was paired with and I begin to retch. The forced and cringeworthy John Era's romance would have been better represented with a dying cat's rendition of Baby by Justin Bieber. If the cat had an especially bad voice, good evening. I mean, the man's too good for this, obviously. And that's really, like, like the what? first memorable piece he's written in, like, two seasons. Yeah. Like, I mean, what was the last thing since The Children that was that memorable? The Children was so fucking good. But, like, since then? Um, this. Well, when did, was he writing the, like, marine theme? Like, da, 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 oh, that's been around When for did a while. he start? Has that? Okay. I think that was when um, she came out of the fire at the end of season one but like oh, he's been right. like like it's normal for like you know you write the all, all, like you know the themes the major character themes in the first season then you just reuse those for a whole show but like yeah it, it seems like oh no dude 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 plunk plinky piano music oh yeah i'm sorry i didn't like that that was nothing I mean, if like, not memorable it was, yeah it was memorable but it wasn't like i it's that's not something Remember. i would listen to in the background when i'm knitting you know Oh, come on. My Saltarello with that yes, was one of the best was. ones. I mean, like, <laughs> that piece never felt appropriate for the show. Sorry. No, God, no. But what would what would have tonally fit the emotional stakes of boat sex, do you think? Plinky piano music. <laughs> <laughs> Yakety sex. <Yeah. laughs> No, it's just stick with plinky piano music. Let's not go too far. Oh, you know, you know what, you know what I would have wanted to play. What? Um, I forget who it's by. Mahambai. It's a uh, bumpy ride. That I want to boom bang bang with your body, yo. We're gonna take rough things up before we take it slow. That one. I don't think they were. Do you not know what I'm talking about? I think their sex was pretty vanilla. But just like some, well, it looked kind of vanilla, but like something that's just like so, just like we're banging now. <laughs> Just like college dorm music playlist for fucking. <laughs> I just had oh. sex and it felt mm-hmm. real good. While we're talking about sex, yes. who would you want to bed, uh. behead, <laughs> or enjoy a <gasps> or red? Oh my god, we have Robert Baratheon. <laughs> oh, I'm off to a good start. 
OSHA. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, uh, Joff. Joffrey? Mm-hmm. Dude, I want Okay, kill Joffrey, kill- Mary Robert, and uh, Badasha. Robert kind of, like, rapes his spouses. Yeah, but you get to be queen. <laughs> I'm killing Robert. Okay. I'm marrying Joffrey. You think he wouldn't commit marital rape? I'm betting Joffrey. And I'm marrying <laughs> They're both just so horrible. I would be fine with the concept of just fucking Robert, because, like, okay, just one and done and you're done. I mean, if it's, if it's but... like, you know, hot 19-year-old Robert, and I never have I mean, to see what... him again. No, it's going to be, like, King Robert, who definitely is giving you syphilis. Yeah. I don't want to get <laughs> syphilis. I just want to kill them all. I want to. I'm... Why do you want to kill Asha? Oh, I don't want to kill Asha. She's fine. But I don't really want to marry no. her. Ah, uh, dude. I don't know. Can I just. Can I poison. Can I poison my husband? Yes. <laughs> this is terrible. Well, you don't, that was you don't a... poison him. Just get him really drunk and make him do something stupid. This is really terrible. There's no <laughs> good answer to this. <laughs> because. Yeah, that's just... Can Robert wear a condom? Are you betting him or wedding him? Betting. Yes. If he can, like, if I don't get syphilis, I would just, okay, <laughs> I hate it, but it's over. Yeah. I mean, he would just have to lie there. Like... Lie there and think of Westeros? Yeah, like, he wouldn't even notice. <laughs> oh, this game. I just realized, oh sorry, Anonymous said, I just realized you could cut Sansa's entire season 5 and season 6 plotline until she rides up to the battles with the bastards and the Knights of the Vale, and it would have made some more sense given how she ended season we 4. Know. And it wouldn't have wouldn't have made a difference to her story yes. arc. Didn't we say, yeah, we said this. Because I can't think of anything that happened in those seasons that had an impact or lasting effect on anything with her arc or character in season 7 or even mattered. Uh, even in the scope of all GOT trashiness, that's just unforgivable and unconscionable to me. I mean, like, um, no, the, the chasse in the stupid dress kind of implies that <laughs> she's a player now, right? So, yeah. Playing the play game player. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Joy, Joy and I did talk yeah. about this in um, Sense Interrupted. I think I also talked about this in Fallacy of Women on Top Part 3, I believe I mentioned that. Um, and we also, yeah, we talked about this in Battle of the Bastards because that would have made more sense why she showed up at the Knights of the Vale as an 11th hour save rather than her knowing they existed and, and just it, like, like not telling yeah. John for lols. If they had a plot line of her, like, you know, manipulating the Vale Lords into being in a position to do that for her, like, and that'd be interesting. Like, what, what, what did her experience, what did her rape mm. add to her character? It turned her into um, a player, Kylie. Like that's Joya's being glib, mm. but that's like one of Benioff's quotes. It was like it was a painful teacher or something like that. But um like you pointed out at the end of season four, she she didn't need that teacher. Yeah. She didn't need that instruction. Like if she had come down the stairs timidly and like maybe like with a whole like teach me senpai or whatever. Like, oh man, these these next few asks just completely unwind. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. This is how we're gonna close out the episode. Just just a few a few asks of increasingly worse quality. But yeah, no, like, um, I, I agree that this is probably the most unforgivable thing because yeah. they basically just did a rape revenge plot line that didn't, it didn't need to be there. Because yeah, that's all. never been done. It could have been popped so. up. Yeah. But I mean, they also don't plan ahead. Yeah. 
So maybe they thought it would have amounted to something. I don't know. All right. You and Julia should sing the O Carol song celebrating the end of this year's Carol. Oh, stand by. <laughs> oh, are you doing it? Because, like, here's the thing. I actually have a video of <laughs> Julia singing it to me on YouTube that I haven't, like, it's, like, on my own channel that I just have unlisted. And she just did it while we were, like, supposed to be doing something. <laughs> One I day. used Larry she as a took- microphone. Yeah, <laughs> the little Larry Funko Pop that I got her. So um, I mean, I'm starting to look fat in that video. But. Well, first of all, you've lost weight since then. Second of all, you didn't look fat in the first place. But um, I think I'm going to post that to the Unabashed Book Snobbery channel, <laughs> to the YouTube channel. So look out for that. Yeah, it's happening, you I can, guess. Yeah, you can... Uh, yeah, if, if you want a video where you look hotter singing it, then send it to me. And I'll post it for you. I don't know. If I try to look hot, I'll just look stupid. So, you know, let's just okay. let it go. Okay. I think I think you look very nice. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you still refuse to feel my biceps. Oh, my God. <sighs> Kylie's not very touchy. Like, she's not very huggy, which surprised me. I'm not. Yeah, I think I expect you to be a little oh, more no. huggy. Really? Yeah. No, I thought I thought I mentioned I I like don't know what to do with people. Mm-hmm. If I was like drunk and we were on a couch, I would have been touchy. Yeah. But in general, I'm not a touchy huggy yeah, person. Yeah, I think that no, surprised not me. Not at all. Yeah. I Yeah, I wasn't hugged as a child. Oh, I would have hugged you as a child. Oh, thank you. Anyway, let's talk about um, Benioff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, the next the next time I see you, I'll hug you more. Sorry about that. No, it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's just a statement of fact. No, I'm. I'm. Forget that I'm not as touchy as other people. Mm. All right. So anonymous said, <laughs> right? I was completely about Troy. Benioff was right to admit the gods from his adaptation of Troy. Clever guy that he is. He understood there is no hope in modern cinema for action adventures featuring protagonists with supernatural powers. I mean, it's not as if stuff like that has been popular and profitable these last years. I'm going to live and say this announce being a little sarcastic. Um clever guy yeah i mean like we were talking about this i think before in a non-sarcastic way but like mm-hmm. um that's fine if you take the gods out of any story of troy but then it's not the iliad <laughs> like, yeah it's just a battle yeah, it's just a bunch of assholes who bride steal and then get upset about it and then so There's what so- do you think about this helen said no one ever yeah she was really into Paris in the movie. <laughs> well, at least Benioff asked like, what she thought, I guess. I have, like, such a crush on Diane Kruger. So, like, seeing her in that role, I was just like, oh, man, this is terrible. <laughs> Especially because she's falling for an Orlando Bloom that doesn't look like Legolas. Yeah. What? But my question the um, entire movie was just, like, why are these Mycenaeans dressed like people from the Hellenistic age? But, you know. My question was, why were they no homoing? uh achilles and uh Hector? what's his face no achilles and the other uh his they made they made his implied lover into his cousin because they were like no no and then um i don't know whatever it was just there was a lot of bad choices uh i think like i i i've, I've said this before greek mythology it's one of the like most untapped potentials in cinema like greek myths would be super super popular so many people were into it. I mean, like, Wonder Woman is the closest thing we've been getting. Yeah, and Wonder Woman did, you know, wonderfully yeah. for good reason. Because yeah, it was good. Um, also, it was well constructed. Mm-hmm. It was well shot. Uh, whoever, you know, it, they actually got her character. Yeah. But like, yeah, dude, like, give us 
give us, you know, Jason and the Argonauts, the updated version. Give us a really good Odyssey. Yeah. Give us a really good uh, Odyssey. Give us us the... um, Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to remember. There is one I saw. It's the Golden Fleece, maybe. And they actually did a really good job of having the gods play, like, chess, basically, with each other and betching while, like, the mortals were doing their thing. I loved it. Um, Yeah, we could do all of that. Hercules... That's not Disney. <laughs> Anyone? Like live action? Uh, there's so much there. No, let's just do the straight battle of Troy for reasons. Um, Anonymous said, are you and Julia secretly related? You seem to have similar facial features. Yes, we've been sitting on this bombshell because that made sense to hide from you. Yeah, just like our romance. Yeah, that's also... <laughs> wait, are people still shipping you? Is that not a little bit weird? Yeah. Yes, it is weird. <laughs> Um, we are two women with faces. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have similar faces? We have, like, eyes. Yeah. They're not the same color. Our faces are vaguely round. Like, yes. Maybe that's it. But, um, I don't no, think we Julia have is... I don't even have Polish blood in me. <laughs> so, we are not secretly related. And people are still shipping us, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a little weird. Yeah. In fact, I keep getting these asked that, like, what's what's a griffin? It's like, hmm. <laughs> an interesting question. Well, a griffin is a mythological creature with the body of a lion or something. Yeah, it's got and like they guard the gold. Body of a lion and the head of an eagle or something. Yeah, it's something like that. Mm-hmm. And they guard gold. <laughs> Do they guard gold? Yeah, hmm. like treasure. Okay. Yeah. Um. If you had to settle down with one contestant on Burning Love besides Julie Grisselwhite, <laughs> who would it be? Carly, man, I would just go in her truck and we would go on hikes and we could even keep things waist up if I wanted. <laughs> would you want to though? No, with John Varney? Or with Carly? <laughs> <laughs> with Cora? <laughs> Cora? What? Cora! I mean, I think I think Janet Varney is a fairly attractive woman, mm-hmm. and I think Carly has a lot of shared interests with me, like hiking. <laughs> and um, she's she's a WNBA coach, so she'd probably like go running That's with me and stuff. Coach. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd pick Carly. Who would you? Pick? Um, I mean, like Blaze, just because I want to have sex with him. But I'm not sure. Blaze. The question is settling down. So. Well, would you be his Annie? That's the question. Yeah. Oh, I'd totally pick Annie, too. Oh, my God. She's gorgeous. I don't think I want to be with any of these people. None of them are very nice people. I like Annie, though, because she is, like, duplicitous yeah. a little bit. Well, Carly seemed pretty nice. Like, she legit did. Um, You could be with What's-His-Face, the crying guy. He was nice. Yeah. Then he was into weird sex stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all kind of terrible. Yeah. What about Henry and his wives? Yeah, I'm not so into that. I mean, it's not the polygamy, it's more like the God stuff. If I had to pick a guy, it would obviously be Max. I would just take him home to meet my Bobby and Zeta. He'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even have a Bobby and Zeta? <laughs> no, all my grandparents are dead. <laughs> and the, my Jewish grandparents, we just called Grandma and Grandpa, yeah. so... They probably didn't I mean, make you code. God. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how you're talking about how you want to take a nice Jewish book uh, home to your bubby and then you say Jesus Christ, but, you know. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ, I just want to take a nice Jewish boy home. <laughs> Whatever, I have a nice Jewish boy. This is what this is stupid. <laughs> and he still has grandparents that are alive. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of them friended me on Facebook and like waved at me and I don't know what to do with this like waving <laughs> Jewish grandma. <laughs> like, okay. Hi, Bubby. <laughs> Hi, Bubby. Um, okay, then another ask said, love that picture. So this is the picture of yeah. me, Julia, and Gretchen. Um, do you all, did you drink rosé? We were drinking rosé in that picture. We were drinking rosé in that Specifically. picture. Specifically. Which one of you is the head of censorship and mind control? Who puts drugs in the water supply and who's the czar of torture? Okay, so Kylie is the brainy one. Uh, Gretchen is the cool yeah. one. And I'm the sexy one. Oh, okay. All right. I thought I we already agreed on that. Is. I thought we discussed this like, like, I'm definitely not cooler than Gretchen, no. but I'm also not sure I'm smarter than Gretchen. So no, but you're this like like you know you you know well I'm clearly the I'm sexy head of one. Censor- well, no, no, I am censorship. I'm head of censorship and mind control because I want to censor Game of Thrones, right? Like, I want to. <laughs> Is that there. what you want to do after Game of Thrones? Okay. <laughs> yes, I want to censor it. That's my goal in life because I want everything PC. <laughs> okay. And then Gretchen puts drugs in the water supply, I guess. <laughs> All right. We're going to conclude this with one final wet bed behead. Okay. okay. We're, we're going to make it good. Ooh. Ooh. This is off to a good start. Uh, let's see. <laughs> okay. We've got Jamie. Okay. That is a good start. Uh, ooh. I think this is going to be a good one. I'm excited. Okay. We have Doran. Oh, dear. <laughs> already we're like husband <laughs> i don't know it didn't work out so well for Lario. jamie doran and loris oh hooray for heteronormativity finally uh <laughs> what hooray for heteronormativity oh, finally i was like well you do know we got a gay guy right we can ignore that heteronormativity mm. i'm marrying doran oh you well, can't stop me from marrying doran even though it did not work out for Melario. it will not work out for us either but we are marrying doran <laughs> and we're going to live in sunspear and it's going to be amazing and we're going to hang out with his kids and it's going to be the best thing ever <laughs> and you probably don't you don't have to have sex with him because he's all the gout it's probably like i really don't think painful. he'd want to yeah really painful he just like He'd consider it, but then, like, the time would have already passed where he could have made a move. So then he just doesn't. <laughs> just, uh... <laughs> um, so, okay, are we killing Loris or are we killing Jamie? That's what it comes down to. I mean, having sex with Loris is out of the question because he wouldn't be into we can it. Sexy, we can non-sexy bed share with him. So the question is if I want to have sex with Jamie Lannister or not. Like, he's he'd probably be a good... yeah. I mean, he's probably heard of the female orgasm. Yeah. Then again, he's like, you know, into his sister. So Yeah, but that's, that's how you know that he's into female orgasms as well. Because he's actually into a woman, even though she's a this sister. This is sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to kill Loras, no, though. No, I don't. But... Can I mercy kill Loras? Because he's covered in boiling oil? Yeah, that's true. I'm going to mercy kill Loras and... I'll just see if Jamie knows what he's about. Yeah, I'll be curious. Curi- yeah, curious. Yeah, just see where it takes us. And Doran, I will. I'm so happy we're marrying Doran. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I actually got a wed bed behead for um, Padme, Leia, and Ray. No. <laughs> well, no, that's easy. You murder Padme because who cares? She's the worst. <laughs> Then you bed Ray and you marry Leia. Although Leia would probably tell you to get the fuck out and 
not be around here for years at a time. Well, as long as you don't, like, imply that her genes turn your children evil, I think you'll be fine. Oh, dude, Han, what were you doing? I just, that's the best part of, I mean, no matter what I think of The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and, like, yeah, it's lazy in some ways, and, like, I, I get the criticisms, but that one moment of Maz being like, Han, go home, and he's like, Lyra doesn't want me. <laughs> Man, remember how Empire Strikes Back is all about how he's a flight risk? Oh right, totally. (sighs) Flight risk con who stayed with the rebellion for three years. Okay. Hey Julia, go see uh, Last Jedi. I told you I'm going to see it tomorrow. Okay, with my boys, twelve forty-five, and then we're going for sushi. That is the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. So I don't know why you're still hassling me. So the the movie theater I went to was like, Mm -hmm. um, you can order like a full dinner kind of thing. Uh Or, like, a breakfast. People were ordering pancakes and the entire theater smelled. And I was like, okay, this is bad. Uh, I ordered breakfast popcorn because I was really into that idea. But there was a guy next to me and he had come with his two kids and his wife. Uh And he ordered three Bloody Marys in the course of this movie. And I know that because I saw them all delivered to him. Uh, And that just seems like a lot of Bloody Marys. It seems like like a lot of drinking to do in a two hour and a half hour long movie. With your family. No, but, like, I, I mean, like, in terms of, like, what happens after you drink, like, naturally in your body. When the movie is two and a half pee. hours long. Yeah. He didn't pee once. I know. I'm writing a piece about the definitive ranking of bathroom breaks. That's yeah. my piece for Monday. Exactly. Or so it, it will have been out, because I think this episode's getting posted on Wednesday. But, yeah. Anyway, that was my <laughs> viewing experience. <laughs> I'll tell you all about mine tomorrow after I see the movie. Ah, uh, fine. For you guys still listening, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, no, I promise we're going to have better organized episodes coming up. Joy and I have seriously had uniquely stressful lives for the past few months. Yeah. Like, this is, this is nothing we expected, and it's just what's going on now, and that's life. We're going to try to do the uh, George R. R. Martin garbage follow-up as soon as we can. Um, and then uh, Joy and I are also going to be starting the retrospective mm-hmm. uh, system. Can't wait. So I don't know exactly how that's going to look for podcasts, but it will be something and it should be fun. In the meantime, please visit thefandamentals.com. We do have an implausible possibilities shirt or an plausible impossibilities <laughs> shirt. Get which one. Plausible impossibilities shirt. And uh, I'm working with Elizabeth to design a character gumbo shirt, so I'm hoping to have that out to you guys pretty soon. It's going to be just like everyone's head floating in a soup pot. <laughs> it's going to be great. Hmm. Um... Yeah, other than that, if you liked listening to our thoughts on A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones, please recommend our podcast. And the best way for us to be found via search is if you rate and review us on iTunes and in podcast apps. So if you can take a few minutes to do that. And oh man, crap, I was supposed to be reading reviews. I'm sorry, I'll read I'll read some reviews at the start of the next one. I'm so sorry. I know we've got a lot that we were trying to get through. Yeah. I'll do that next time. I okay. promise. I'm just getting tired. Yeah, it's, Other it's, than it's that, late. I'm sleepy. Yeah, it's, it's late for us. <laughs> we're the best. Anyway, so thank you so much for listening to us, and we will talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Goodbye.
My name is Julia, uh-huh. and hold here on, with me hold is Kylie. What the fuck? Hold on, dude. That was very uncouth. You can't do that. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh my god.